minutes. If anybody has a scripture to share with us today, would you do that? Uh, you don't have to come up here unless you really want to. You can just stand up where you are and uh, share maybe a scripture on uh, children or being a child. Uh, there are some in 1 John as well. We're going to look at chapter 3 today. Also in 1 John 4, uh, there's these verses. Uh, Friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. Anyone else? Okay. Third John four. I had no greater joy than to hear that my children. Yeah, yeah. John liked to talk to his people of the church as children, and and he'd come before him and say, "My little children, I got something to say," <laughs> and that was a typical thing. Well, First John three. Is our text today, the first three verses, we read this. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want you to think about children this morning for a little bit. I want to think back to uh, your childhood. I, I assume that everyone in here at some point was a child. Anybody that doesn't fit that? Okay. Every one of us was a child at some point. And uh, would, you, would you like to be a child again? Oh, yeah. Again. Yeah, some still are. Uh, yeah. Would you like to be a child again? Would you like to relive your childhood? Well, maybe certain aspects of it, other parts, I just don't really want to go back there. Yeah, so I think that's why we get this variety of reactions to that. Have you learned anything since you were a child? (laughs) Debatable. Yes, that's debatable. Has it all been beneficial, what you've learned? No. No. Are there some parts of being a child you'd like to reclaim? Yes. yes. What, what are those parts? <laughs> youth. Youth. I'd like to reclaim my youth. No. Hair. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer, John. How about innocence? How about purity? How about trustfulness? Yeah, those are some qualities. I, I watched our granddaughter uh, surprise her father. She was coming downstairs as he was going upstairs in our house, and she was on the middle landing. He just turned around the corner, he had his hands full, and she knew he was coming. She just jumped from the top stair about seven, seven stairs down to him. He's like, <laughs> he wasn't prepared because he had his hands full. Fortunately, she was okay. But that's the trust of a child, you know? Just go for it because daddy's there, daddy will catch me. Uh, just some excellent qualities. I grew up with both of my parents and my family. It was a, a good family situation. Uh, both of them were loving. Both of them were, were Christians that taught me about God and so on. My dad was probably more absent than he would have liked to have been just because of his job. So he was worked a lot of long hours and had to travel sometimes. The only thing I really missed as a child that, that just kind of felt like an emptiness there was I was missing a granddad. I had two wonderful uh, grandmothers but I didn't have a granddad around, and, and I really missed that. I never really got to know my father's dad. He had died when I was like four, and my mom's dad, they had separated when she was in high school, 
And I really only met him like five minutes at a time, three different times in my life before he died. And so I had no relationship with him, really. And when Jane and I got married and I was 23 years old, I inherited a granddad for the first time. And I got this wonderful guy that we called Papa. And I just really enjoyed that. Now, perhaps this morning, given your story, given your situation, you grew up without a father or a grandfather in your life. Some of you have had that. And you've realized maybe double or triple what I ever did in feeling a, something missing, something that I would really like to have had a relationship, but it wasn't there. And maybe some of you are here today uh, that, that you had a dad, and it wasn't really the best dad you could have had. Maybe he was even abusive. Um, maybe, maybe you don't have many good feelings about dad or granddad in your, in your life. And, and uh, I'm sorry that that's, that's true for you. I, I'm sorry that there was pain in that. And some people really struggle with this whole idea of calling dad, or God our heavenly dad, our heavenly father. Because that idea of father isn't so positive. You see where I'm going with that. Uh, but I want to have some good news for you this morning. I have some good news, and that is that God is your father, and he's a good father. He is everything a father should be and much more. He's got this thing nailed. He knows exactly what it means to be a father, and he knows what you need from him, and he's willing to give that. And he calls all of us into his family. He calls all of us into to this family of God. He wants us to be his children. Now, who are the children of God, and what are they like? Well, all of us are his creatures. We're all made in his image as human beings. And so in one sense we could say, well, we're all his children just because his, we're his offspring. He's the one that sprung us off. You know, he's the one that started us. And yet, all of us at some point denied that. All of us at some point rebelled against that. And we lost that connection with God as his child because of our sin. That's what the Bible says. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us have sinned against God. And when we did, we became at enmity with God. We became enemies of God. We became the rebellious children that ran away, that denied the relationship he wanted to have with us. So spiritually, not all of us are God's children. The only people that are, are spiritually God's children today, and many of the people in the room would fit that, are those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and who have re-entered the relationship through Christ, through his sacrifice, through the fact that he paid for our sins and set us free, we could become God's children again. And we have been reclaimed. We have been recreated. We have, have become anew, been birthed again as the children of God. And this is totally based on God's love. He reclaimed us. He redeemed us. He gave us a second chance to be part of his family. How is that even possible? You know, I, I think about this universe and, and I'm amazed that God would even be interested. That God would even be willing to do that. Have you ever thought about that? That God is the Lord and creator of this universe. Why would he take interest in little old you or little old me? Why would he even care? David asked in Psalm 18, or Psalm 8, he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, when the, I look at the moon, the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? In other words, David is saying, Why did you even notice me? Why did you think about me? Our solar system, the sun and the eight planets that we are part of, it's about seven and a half million miles wide. 
Now, we can't really get our mind around that too well. So let me imagine this. If we got in our car, we could drive across space, and we started at one end of our, our little solar system, and we got in our car, we drove 65 miles an hour. We did that day and night, 24-7. We're driving 65 miles an hour to reach the other side of our solar system. It would take us 13,000 years to get there. <laughs> 13,000 years. And then you think about our solar system that's only just a tiny, tiny piece of the Milky Way galaxy, which has 100 billion stars in it, and our star is just one of the 100 billion, and it's, each of them has their own little solar system around it. Now how big are things? How big is the Milky Way, after all? And then as people look at this, and as they try and figure out where we are and what the universe is about, add to that the fact that our Milky Way galaxy is only one of 50 billion galaxies. 50 billion, I can't even think of what a billion is. And yet, here's this, this little tiny place called Earth in this vast, ever-expanding universe, and God has taken interest not only in Earth, but in one of the 7 billion people that inhabit that planet. He knows you. He knows me. Are we, are we small enough yet? Have we realized, are we starting to realize how great it is that God would take notice of you or me? The Apostle John was right when he said, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. The Apostle Paul said that God is a potter and we're like clay and we have no rights. <laughs> he could just say, you know, I'll make you whatever I want it to be. If I don't happy, I'm not happy with the product, I'll just throw it away. I'll start over. And yet God has decided to enter into this relationship with us. And we need to think about that because we live in an age of entitlement. We live in an age where people talk about their rights and what, what this, you know, the whole world revolves around them. No, it doesn't. It revolves around God. And we're just a little speck. And yet he has chosen to love us. He has chosen to get into this relationship with us. And he has made it possible for us to come back to him as his child. Does God care? You bet he does. God cares very deeply. And Jesus is the proof of that. Well, here in 1 John chapter 3, John says certain things that are true of the children of God. And uh, John loved to talk about the children of God. And so, so in these verses, and we'll, we'll kind of go quickly through about 20-some verses I want you to see that there's this picture that John is painting. Three different things that are true. And, and we need to make sure they're true in our lives. First of all, he says that children of God do what is right. Verses 4 through 6. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. This is a big deal. That those of us who are the children of God are not to just continue sinning as if it has no consequence, has no meaning, has no, no uh, really, really outcome, no result, no, no downside. Just, just go and do it the way you did before. No, you can't because now you're a child of God. As children of God, we just can't keep on sinning. Skip down to verse 9. He says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. 
He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. We must learn to do what is right. And so John says that God recreated us. God rebirthed us. He gave us a new chance, a new opportunity to live as he wanted us to before. God's seed is in us. So we just can't keep on sinning continually as we did before. God's children are not content to dwell in sin. God's children do not practice sin. They do not make it their habit. They fall into sin. They still make mistakes. None of us is perfect. And yet, when we mistake and make the mistake, in 1 John 1, he says, we need to go back to God and we need to confess that sin and he is faithful and righteous to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 uh, verses 8 and 9. Our conscience is inside of us so that we never grow comfortable with sin. It holds us accountable for what we do. And as children of God, we even invite that accountability because we want to please God. We want to glorify God. And so our lives are to be pure and holy and righteous so that we will show we belong to God. We are His seed. We are His children. <coughs> Hebrews 12 tells us that God disciplines his children because he loves them. In Hebrews 12.5 it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Uh, verse 11 of uh, Hebrews 12 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So the first thing that John talks about is the children of God do what's right. They live a holy, pure, righteous life. Secondly, he says, children of God love as God loves. Verse 11, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. As God loves, so we should love one another. It's that simple. That God's children simply learn to love people the same way God loves people. It's in them. It's in their DNA now. It's part of who we are. That no longer are we subject to the, the same hatred and the animosity and the prejudice and the biases that we had before. Now we are elevated to become children of God and we see people differently than we did before. We know we have new life in Christ when we start loving our brothers and sisters. If we do not love them, we are still dead in sin. It's still back where you were before, John says. And probably we need to question whether we, it really took, whether or not the relationship is really what it should be. If you're still carrying around that same grudge, still carrying around that same anger, still carrying around the same prejudices you had before, and you cannot learn how to love the unlovely and the unlovable, then you need to think, am I really being the child of God? God has made me to be. Am I missing something here? Verse 16 goes on. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 
If anyone has material possessions and sees his brothers in, in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in him? Dear, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And, and this is then is how we, we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. As children of God, Jesus is the example we need to follow. We must love each other and anyone else here uh, that we may meet. Love is, is laying down your life. Love is surrender. Love is sacrifice. Love is this, this uncommon love, this sacrificial love that gives and gives and then gives some more. And we have been given an inheritance of love so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, if you look at a privileged family, let's, let's look at, well, I don't know, look at some wealthy family you could think of, the Rockefellers, the Kennedys, the, you know, the big families that you say, man, they just had so much wealth, it's just kind of oozing out of them. And these children are born to them, and they're raised in that environment. How many of them turn out well? Not, not as many as we would like. Because when you're raised with privilege, when you're raised so that you get anything you want, that's not good for you, is it? And, and when you think, you know, you just, I'm going to be this greedy money grabber, I'm going to be satisfying myself, I'm going to be seeking new pleasures every day, and, and getting older just means I can go on to bigger pleasures than I could before. That's what life is about, you're just grabbing for everything, it's all about me. You don't turn out so well. Could that same dynamic happen in the family of God? Could that same problem occur when we are brought into a family of privilege? We're in God's household. We have everything available to us. We have the blessings of Christ. We have forgiveness. We have eternal life. We have uh, God's care and, and security and provision day to day. Do we sometimes become that spoiled brat? It's all about me. It's all about what I want. My prayers are all about me and what I want. And my concerns are all about me being taken care of. I want to be safe. I want to be healthy. I want my kids. I want my family to have these things. And so it all revolves around what we get. And God says here, he says, no, the point is you're, you're, you've been blessed so that you can bless. You're a blessing so that you can be a blessing to other people. And, and God wants you to love people as he has loved them. And we sometimes mix that up. Third thing, children of God believe in and live in the Son of God. Verses 21 to 24, dear, dear children, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He has commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We believe in the Son of God. He is our Savior. We obey the Son of God. He is our Lord. He's our Master. We live in him, and he lives in us through his spirit. We have no life of our own any longer. It's not my life, it's his life. This body belongs to him. So he injured himself this week. <laughs> uh, 
And I'm not worrying about it because he's going to make sure it's taken care of however he wants to take care of it, you know? And my life is not mine anymore. Your life is not yours anymore. The Apostle Paul echoed this theme when he wrote Galatians 4, 6. He says, and because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. In Romans 8, 14, he says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That word, Abba, just simply means Daddy. It's the same thing as us saying, Daddy. And God, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, invites us to come before him, call up into his lap, and say, Hey, Daddy. Daddy, I'm here because I love you. Daddy, I want to be close to you. Daddy, I want whatever you want in my life. Tell me what to do. Show me how to live. Use my life to your glory. Children of God have a closeness to God. Others can only envy. Children of God can walk in confidence Confidence in God, not confidence in themselves. The German philosopher Immanuel Kant used to love to take long walks on a summer evening. He would uh, kind of stroll through a park. Sometimes he'd sit down on a park bench and just sit there and meditate and think as philosophers would do. And one day he made this, this walk across the park, found a park bench off by himself somewhere. Other people were there in the park. He just sitting there quietly by himself. He'd been there for a couple hours just kind of meditating, contemplating and thinking as, as he would. And this policeman noticed him. And after watching for a couple hours, he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm thinking. He says, well, who are you? And Emmanuel Kant says, that's what I'm thinking about. Who am I? <laughs> he says, that's, that's been the eternal question, though. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with this life? That's what I'm thinking about. If you're a child of God, you don't have to ask that question anymore, do you? You don't have to say, who am I? What is my life about? What am I supposed to be doing here? What is my purpose? You know who you are because you know whose you are. You know that you belong to God. And you are His offspring. You are growing to be more like Him every day. You are learning to live a good life and a holy life. You are learning to love other people as He loves people. You are learning to truly live in His Son and let His Son live in you. And you put your trust and your confidence in Him that He's going to live through you and He's going to glorify Himself through your life. His Spirit lives in you and you walk in confidence and hope every day because you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Enjoy that. After he became a Christian, a slave trader who is named John Newton said, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be. But still, I am not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would be on our hearts today. Uh, we are your children. We are so grateful that you have decided that you love us and that you've decided that you want a relationship with us, that you have pursued us. You have introduced yourself to us. And more than that, we see this remarkable 
story of redemption that Jesus, your Son, came to earth and He gave His life so that we could get our lives back. He has recreated us. He has made us your children once again. And we come before you today in worship and praise because of who you are and because of whose we are. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the, the confidence, the security, the hopefulness, the, the love, the peace that is ours because of you and because you are our Father and our God. We pray for your blessing now as we continue worshiping you and as we uh, draw close to you through this uh, communion time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.